Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. I want to reiterate what uh, Josh said. Welcome you to our service today. Happy New Year. Welcome to our first year of 2021 here as a congregation. So whether you're here in person with us or you're joining us online, thank you for being a part of our gathering today. We're looking forward to what God's going to say to us. Um, we, we introduced that thought this last week, as we know, coming out of uh, one year, moving into the next, our thought for this, this first part of this year, at least, is the idea of moving forward. And uh, we're going to begin today with that thought. We're talking about, for the next few weeks, praying it forward. And we're going to talk about the importance of prayer and hopefully be encouraged in our time of prayer for the next, uh, next three Sundays after this one. There's several things I want to do to encourage that. We're actually in a, what we're calling 21 days of prayer. Uh, so we can call it 21 for 21, however you want to look at that. But uh, for starting tomorrow, for the next 21 days, we want to uh, literally be walking this journey of prayer. And I want to challenge you in whatever way that God would enable you uh, to be a part of that, that you do that. And you can... You can be a part of it in so many ways, whether here being with us in person or even online. Uh, several things we're going to do over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to each Sunday, as we've already started today, our Sunday worship service will be, uh, include different elements of prayer. We'll be talking about prayer, learning hopefully more and, and encouraging each other in, in prayer. Uh, also, we have uh, th- this uh, daily prayer journal that if you were here last Sunday or maybe last Sunday online, you picked it up. Uh, for the next 21 days, just a devotional for each day, different challenges, encouragements about prayer, and I hope that you would just take and be a part of that. It's divided into four sections of five days each, and I hope you'll do that. If you didn't pick up a book, you can in person today. We have some extras, uh, but you can also go online on our website and download the book itself, so I hope it, that whatever way you can, that you'd be a part of that with us as we move forward. And then um, I would just challenge you for the next three weeks to consider at least one day each week as a time of of prayer and fasting. Um, By fasting, I mean putting aside something important. Most commonly, it's food for a a meal or maybe a whole day and just spend that, replace that food with a time of just focus on God and prayer and and, uh, seeking His face. So I, I'm just challenging if just one day for the next three weeks, if you would do that each, each week, I think we would be amazed. Because here's the thing, there's a lot can happen in 21 days. Uh, we experienced that in this last year. I mean, just how fast things change. Think what could happen in 21 days if as a congregation, we truly gather together in prayer and, and let God just speak to us and we focus our attention in prayer. I can't imagine what God can do. And that's kind of how we're, we're going forward with this. There'll also be some, some special meetings um, starting this Wednesday at 6 p.m., uh, we're going to go live on Facebook as a church, and we're going to have a time of prayer. We'll have different leaders each week kind of reading a verse of Scripture and then just taking prayer requests on, uh, on Facebook and praying together, and we'll be doing that each Wednesday here starting this week. Some of our life groups are going to, to gather at different times throughout the next few weeks here, maybe in the church, maybe online, just praying specifically as a group. And uh, also, we're going to wrap this all up January 24th. Uh, in the evening, 5 o'clock that afternoon, we're going to have a concert of prayer, a family night of worship. We come together, we sing, we pray, we just uh, 
literally commit this, this year and this, uh, this portion of time to the Lord. So I hope you'll find some way, maybe all of those ways, that you'll be a part of uh, 21 Days of Prayer with us over the next, uh, next three weeks. I, in fact, here's how I'd like to start. Let's just take a time and pray. I want to kind of dedicate this, this next time to the Lord and encourage you and challenge you to be a part with us. So would you pray with me? Father, uh, we are looking forward to what you have in store for us this next year. But we honestly have no idea what that looks like. That's been proven over and over again. But we trust you. We know that you're in charge. And so, Lord, we want to spend these next few weeks just focusing our attention on you individually and as a church. So I pray that you'll just encourage your people to to do this, to be involved in all the ways that they can in just specifically praying to you and seeking your face. And, God, we're looking forward to what you're going to do through that exercise over the next several weeks. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Look forward to what you're going to do even in this service to follow. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. All right, so today, as we continue this moving forward and we're talking specifically about prayer, I want to take us back to the verse that we looked at last Sunday or the passage from Ephesians chapter number 1. If you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can follow me there. And I want to pick up where we kind of left off there, and then we're going to, to launch from that perspective. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15. Paul wrote these words, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's what he said he's doing. Now his prayer, the content begins, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and here is what we talked about, so that you may know him better. And I I pray that that becomes our heart for this year. That becomes our priority. That above all the other things we're going to try, we're going to lose weight, we're going to get our finances in order, all those things, atop all of that, that God, I want to know you better. Just that thought. Here's what we remembered last week. The fact that we can actually know God, that's incredible. That God can be known by us, his created beings. Uh, the, The Almighty can be known, and he wants to be personally known by us. That's incredible. And my prayer is that you know him personally. But if you do know him personally, this verse is telling us you can know him better. That no matter how long you've been in this journey of faith, you can take another step. You can know him in a a deeper way more today than you did yesterday and more this week than last, more this year than you did last year. And God, we want to know you better. And so that becomes our our priority of of prayer. And, And that's where we're going to move on from. But before we get to the next part of Paul's prayer, I want to take us back to the Old Testament for an historical account. It happens in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. There's a large section there. You can read it if you would, but let me just catch you up on the story. There's a prophet by the name of Elisha that's involved here. Um, Elisha has been causing a lot of trouble for a particular king from a neighboring country of Aram. And so, so this, this king has wanted to come and attack Israel, and he's made these, these surprise attack plans several times. And what God did is he would tell Elisha, the prophet, that the king was going to attack. Elisha would then take those words to the king of Israel, and then Israel, that king, would get his armies together, and they'd go fortify that city, and they couldn't attack. It just, he, he foiled their plans every time. Well, the king of Aram was frustrated, angry. In fact, he accused his leaders of treason in the story. He said, which one of you is telling the, telling the secrets? And they said, king, it's not us. They got this guy named Elisha 
who can, he can hear what's going on in your private chambers. He, he just has this knack about him. They didn't know what to make of this guy, Elisha. So the king says, well, we'll take care of that. So he sends secretly a fortified force of his, his soldiers to the city where Elisha and his servant were living. And at night, they surrounded the city. And that's where we pick up the story. Verse number 15, the Bible tells us that when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning... An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Now, that's a way to start your day, right? You go outside, and here's this hostile army looking like they're wanting to take you out, and that's surrounding. And here's the servant said, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now, what he's saying, this is danger. This is impossible. What are we going to do about this, Elisha? This, this is beyond what we, we're in, we're in peril here. What are we going to do in verse 16? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those, look at this, who are with us are more than those who are with them. Our side's bigger than theirs. He goes on to say in the verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So if you get the picture, here's this army that's about to, that looks like they want to attack, but when God opens his eyes, he shows him that there's God's army is surrounding them, chariots of fire, just waiting for God to say, attack, and they would. They're surrounding them with that kind of, of safety. Here's what we want to focus on, and that's that phrase Elisha said, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. That, that would be the, the call of what we're going to talk about throughout today. Open his eyes. Open our eyes so that we can truly see. Now, this eye-opening experience, that really itself wasn't a miracle. The, the miracle was not that, the, that there was army surrounding him. All that did was reveal what was truly happening. It was a realization of who God is and what he's doing. It shows with us several things. And like Josh mentioned, our sermon notes are a little different today. You can kind of fill in, or if you're watching online, you can just jot down as something hits you. But let me give you a couple thoughts that I, I grabbed from this. First being this, that there's always more going on than meets the eye. There's always more behind the scenes that you really, truly can't see, and, and you're going to need help. In this case, you're going to need divine help if you're going to be able to see it. A couple of weeks ago, some of you are probably aware that uh, there was a, a scientific phenomenon, right? They called it the Christmas star. How many were a part of it or tried to see it in some way? Okay, some of you here or some of you online, right? Okay, so it, the Christmas star really isn't a, wasn't a star at all. It was Jupiter and Saturn in the way that they, they come, and that, that happens so rarely in this form. In fact, the last time was 400 years ago, and then the time that it was just clear enough for, see a sign, for us to see it, that scientists say was probably 800 years ago. So for 800 years, this has been a phenomenon, and if you saw some pictures, it really looked like that Christmas Card, you know, with the star on the, in the middle of it, and, and the phenomenon wasn't a star at all. So I heard it was coming. I went outside, and, and I looked up, and I was like, wow, that's neat. You know, you could see a little, little extra curve on the one side. It was kind of extra bright, and then I went back in and finished my supper. You know, it was just kind of, it, it was neat, 
right? But, but think about, it was, it was neat for me with naked eye. Think about a person that had a telescope, right? Maybe some of you did out on the porch, and it's like, wow, that's really cool. Or what about if you had one of those NASA telescopes, right? And you're seeing now this whole thing from a different perspective. I mean, it was cool for me, but it didn't do much. But you get it when you can really see it. We can really get an idea of what that really what that sight really was. There's more going on always than you can see with your, with your eye. That's the reality of the world. The fact is there is stuff going on all around us that our eyes really can't pick up on. I mean, we're, and I'm not talking just the bacteria and stuff that's in that seat where you're sitting. Uh, that's, that's kind of gross in and of itself. But microscopic things that you can't see, that's, that's a part. But what I want to get to is in our spiritual lives, there is a whole nother world and a whole nother thing happening that is right now in this room is going on, but our physical eyes are not, are not seeing it at this point. There's a spiritual battle. The, an enemy is constantly at war against us to destroy us, to tear us down. And God's forces, as is pictured here, are constantly at work around us. The fact that God himself is doing things constantly, and some of them we, we don't see or we don't see at this very point. The, what we get to, there's always going on something more than what your eyes can see. Which leads us to another thought that because of that, the invisible doesn't necessarily mean distant or absent. The fact that you don't see God working doesn't mean he's not working. The fact that this servant wasn't, wasn't able to see God's forces did not at all change the fact that God was there all the time. God hadn't moved. God was nearby he and his servant. God was in control of the situation. And there are times when we look and we don't see God's hand. And what do we, we're, Elisha's servant, the, he just did the natural thing. Oh, what are we going to do, right? But before we get too hard on Elisha's servant, that sounds a lot like me some days, Right? All the things are going crazy, and my first response is, what am I going to do to fix this? What can I do to make this right? You get, you get where I'm at? You, you feel that? That we get into this point where I don't know, and I, I, I'm desperate, and God must. I, I'm going to need to help God out here because it just doesn't seem to be that he's fixing anything, right? What are we going to do? Did you notice there's two responses that happened when, when they saw these, these enemy soldiers? The, the servant panicked. But what did Elisha do? What was his first response? Elisha prayed. Those are two still responses for us today. The things that come to us, on us, around us, we can panic or we can stop and realize that God is still there. God is still close. God is still doing his his work, which also leads us to one other thought, that what we can see is not always the reality. Your eyes can play tricks on you. Your eyes can be deceived. That's what magic is all about, the sleight of hand. It, it, it tricks your eyes into seeing. Your eyes are not re, that reliable at times. I mean, that's why most of us in this room are wearing these in some form. Or maybe you're trying to, you, you're, you have contact, whatever. You're needing something because your vision can be in some way impaired. We, we know that there are times in, in our life that we need that physically, but in our, in, our, in our spiritual lives, what we see sometimes and what we constitute as real may not be the true reality because God is doing something different. Here, here's the thing. When, when we come to this point, 
And maybe you're there right now. When what, what you see, what you see around you, what you see happening in life may seem impossible. It may seem desperate. It, it may seem, you know, there's nothing, there, it's a problem scenario that you can't fix. You find yourself maybe being anxious, being afraid, being discouraged, being overwhelmed. You pick the word. Here's our thought for today. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see what you're doing, so we can see you. Open our eyes so that we can see. Now, that was Elisha, Old Testament, but I I think it's almost uncanny to me that I think Paul says very similar words. when We take our our Bibles back to Ephesians chapter 1, where we started, and Paul's in the middle of a prayer. He's got this started in verse 17, and he continues on in verse 18. Here's what Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believed. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Enlightened means to be made full of light. Technically, that's, that's the idea. Or in other words, open their eyes. Lord, I pray that their eyes will be completely open, that they will have all the light that's needed. That's what I found with, with my particular issue. Why I wear these is because of the, uh, the need for light. And the older I get, the more I, I recognize that. His point is this, that their eyes would be completely, they would have all the light they need to see what they need to see. That becomes his prayer for these people. That becomes my prayer for us. That's what I want us to experience individually and as a church. God, open our eyes. It's interesting, you go through the scripture and, and one of the main ways that God describes the difference between your life before Christ or without Christ and your life after Christ is this idea of light. Before Christ, without him, he says we're walking in darkness. In fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. It's a difference of walking in darkness and, and not having the hope or the direction of the future. And then following Jesus, now we walk in the light. He is the light. In fact, later in, in Ephesians, Paul's going to say very simply, you were once in darkness without Christ, but now you are the light of Christ. Now you have that light in you. That's the difference. So when he's talking to these people in, in Ephesus, he's not saying, I, I just hope that the lights come on. Although without Christ, that's essentially what he's saying, is if you've not yet received him, you're in darkness, and Jesus comes in and literally turns the switch on. He he allows you to see what you need to see so that you can receive him. But what he's talking to is a group of people who have already had the light switch turned on. They're Christians. So it's not about that you can just have the light. It's about that you can have the fullness of that light, so that you can be enlightened, so that you can truly know what God wants you to as, as one who has the light, to truly have that light take over in, in your life. When I, you know, as I, I mentioned, as I get older, what I need is, is more light. But here's what I, I want you to understand. As a Christian, what he's saying is, if you're a follower of Christ, with our physical bodies as we get older, and I remember the first time I went to the doctor and I was, things were a little out of focus, and he said, well, that just comes with age. You know, you're at that age now. Don't you hate that phrase? I just want to say, what? anyway, I, that's a whole other sermon, but that's, that's part of it. But here's what the Christian life has. According to what Paul is saying, the, 
The longer, the more you know of him, the better you know him, the more you grow in, in your maturity and walk with him, your eyesight actually gets better. Your eyesight actually improves. You're actually able to see more of what God wants. As you're growing to know him, you actually are able to see more clearly. And that's what Paul is praying for, that they would see more clearly, bright and enlightened. May the eyes of your heart be fully open, is what Paul is praying. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That's a, an old classic worship tune. Open the eyes of my heart because I want to see you. That's what Paul's praying, and that's what I'm praying as we start this new year. God, open our eyes. We're, we're going to see through here three ways that Paul speaks us specifically. Three things that, that our eyes need to be opened to. One is a specific invitation that God gives us and how special that is that God has called us. The second is not only that calling, but the, the riches that we have as being a part of God's family, the, the, the riches of knowing God in that relationship. And then finally, he's going to talk about the power that comes with, an, with, with understanding who we are and making our eyes be open to the power that God supplies for us as his children. Look at two things, though, before we jump into this. One is, notice this is a prayer, we would call this a prayer of intercession, which means he's He's not praying for himself necessarily. He's praying for others. Now, nothing wrong with praying for yourself. That's very important. But he, I think there's a point to be made here in that as a part of God's family, as a part of his church, that we, we never forget how important the responsibility, the opportunity you have of lifting others up in prayer. In fact, he'll end the book that way. He said, pray all kinds of prayers, but make sure that you're always praying for, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 18, he said, make sure you're always praying for all of God's people. And then he just kind of throws in, and pray also for me. Man, I would, I would resonate with what Paul said. I, please pray for each other. As you pray for yourself, pray for others, but, but please pray for me. Can, can the pastor throw his hat in that ring? Please pray for your leaders, for your pastor and what, what he's doing. And that's, that was Paul's prayer. Here's the idea that praying for others is an opportunity that we have. So let's make sure we do that. But I want you to notice the content of this. Paul said he's not praying for answers necessarily. He's praying for awareness. Nothing wrong with a prayer request and a prayer list and specific answers. We do that all the time. The, the goal, though, Paul is saying here, what I want them to see is, is what they have, what they already have, have received in the relationship with Christ. I read this quote this week. Warren Wearsby said, Paul does not ask God to give them what they do not have, but rather he prays that God will reveal to them what they already have. That's what I'm praying for us as Christians, as followers, as Calvary Baptists, that we realize what we have in Christ and how that should change the way we do our life. When you realize and your eyes are open to what we have in Jesus Christ. God kind of made this more aware to me this week, just kind of a personal illustration. Our, our kids traveled back to, uh, from here to Texas and uh, Missouri this past week, but our kids going to Texas left on Friday. Now, Friday was, was a New Year's Day, but it also was not a real good weather day for us around here, especially if you want to travel. In fact, most of the reports said, you know, stay off the roads, it's icy and all, and they, they got a long trip ahead of them. So we pray, and we're praying specifically. But as I've been studying this, the Lord just kind of brought this image to my mind that, yes, I, I, I pray for them, and I prayed specifically for their safety and their protection. But then God just kind of gave me an Elisha servant moment. 
And he just gave me an image of their, their car traveling down I-44, and, and I'm praying for their safety, and his, his angels are all around that car. And his, his work is all around them. I don't know what God has in mind for them, but I know that he knows them, and he loves them even more than I do. And it just I'm now praying, but I'm praying from the perspective of peace, of knowing that God knows what is going to happen, and he knows he's got them in his hands. Does that make sense? That's what it means. Open your eyes to what God is really doing and what's happening, whether your physical eyes can truly see it or not. Open our eyes. So let's, let's march through this, these verses. What is God, what does Paul say is important for us to know? And and what is it that you need your eyes open to today? Here's his first thought. So you will know the hope to which he has called you. Circle those two words, hope and called. Those are critical. The idea that that there is a, a, let's start with the called, that word itself. The fact that, that he has called you. The word called means an invitation. You've done that before. You've invited someone over. It literally was used if someone was invited to your house for a banquet or for a, a meal. You're given a calling. You've given an invitation. What is God saying? That he has given us a, a call. Those of us who are followers of his, we have received, we have answered a call, an invitation to come to him and to his house, to his kingdom. And with that comes all the privileges of being a part of his house and being a part of his kingdom. If you're God's child, you are what is the Bible refers to as the called. You have been called. You have received an invitation and you have accepted that invitation. And, and that comes with all the things that come with Salvation. There's several verses throughout the New Testament. Let me just give you a couple that just show us what this looks like. Romans chapter 1. You also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. That's you. If you know him, you've been called as a part of his family. 1 Corinthians, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Verse 9, God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then many of you are familiar with this famous verse, Romans 8, 28. For God, for we know that all things work for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. If you're a part of his family, you have been called. You have been invited, and through receiving Christ, you have accepted that invitation. So now you are referred to as, why is this so important that we have been called? Look at our verse again, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and verse 18, that we can have our eyes open to know the hope to which you were called. Do you recognize that the, any hope that we say we have now and for the future, now and for after death, any hope that we ha- hold on to is only because we have been called. It's the hope that, that comes with that calling, that God has called us to himself and we've accepted that through Jesus Christ. That is our hope. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, look at what Paul, what Paul says. Remember that at that time, At one time, you were separate from Christ. Now look how he describes you. If you're without Christ, here's what he says. We're without hope and without God in this world. Before you were called, before you received Christ as Savior, that, that, that time before, you were without hope. You were without Christ. You were without God. Josh and I were theorizing recently about this this idea. 2020 was a, a year for the history books. I get that. 
But most of us also, if you know history at all, realize it wasn't the only bad year history's ever had, America's ever had. There have been a lot of very traumatic, climactic years in history, wars and famines and sickness through all, through all these years. And, and so it's, it's not saying anything that this wasn't a, a troublesome year, but there have been others. But even the ones that I've experienced in my life, it just seems like this year there seemed to be even a, a greater sense of hopelessness in people. There, there, through this one, there just seems to be this, why was that? Well, a couple theories we had. One, media, the, the way that it's, it's the news, it, the reports are just constant now. You can hear it. It's almost, it's almost impossible to get it out of your mind, so you're just constantly hearing it. That's new to our day and time. But the second thought that, that we thought about was this, and that is that in years past, especially several years past, when there was wars and even, uh, even some of the, the great conflicts and so forth, there was still, especially in our country, there was, seemed to be a greater measure of faith and, and people would, were still trusting in the Lord. And so what we have today is so many folks that would say, I don't believe that there is a God. I don't believe that, there, that, this is, that there's any sense of this at all. Do you understand, according to what Paul said, that if you take God out of the equation, there is no hope. Without Christ, without God, there is no hope for you, for this world, for anything. And so what we have is with this absence of, of a f- emphasis on God, we have a growing emphasis of hopelessness. Because Paul says, I want your eyes to be open to just see how great the hope is that you have by being called of God. Open your eyes to how great it is that you are one of God's children, that you have been called by him. Let me explain this calling just a little bit further. Two things that I know about this calling. One is, when you've been called by God, you've been called from something. There there was a past. There was where you were. And you've been called from that. Ephesians chapter 2, this same book, Paul talks about that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You weren't just sick. You weren't just kind of under the weather, <laughs> sin-wise. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Spiritually speaking, you, were that, you had no life. You had no ability to come to God. And you followed the ways of this world. You go on in verse 3. And he said that when you lived at that one time, you were gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. That's where you were before Christ. That was your lifestyle before him. I know most of you probably, if you've watched TV at all or any news reports, January is the, year, the month where you're going to see all the diets of every kind, form, and fashion, Right? And everybody's diet is the one. Some of you have already signed up, right? Okay, so I I get that. Here's the thing that always gets me. That is that before and after picture that somebody... My my thought is, how much do they have to pay you to take that before picture and let other people see it? I'm sorry, I'm not getting in a Speedo and let people see that part of me before the diet, right? Do you get what I'm saying? But that's the point, this before, and then that's what you were then, and here's what you are now, how great the diet worked. Do you recognize, folks, that according to Scripture, every one of you who are a follower of Jesus Christ have a spiritual before and after picture? You have what you were before hope, and you have what you were after hope. Regardless of when that came in your life, there is a change because you have been called from where you were, from darkness into light. And so think about this. Let's follow that that 
thinking. For someone to say, I believe in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, and their life has no change. Their life doesn't, and they're, they're fine with that. Their, their lifestyle doesn't move from where they were before. There's a problem there. Because we're new creatures in Christ. We're never going to be perfect. I get that. But there, there's got to be something that's changing because we've been called out of. We've been called from where we were. That's the first part. But then we've been called to something as well. We have been called from where we were to. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he writes it this way. For he chose us. That's similar to the idea of he, he called us. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He called us from where we were to a new life, to a new creation. We've been called from our old life to a, a new being, to what God is making us and that, that progress of what he's going to start doing in our lives. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but then verse 4 of chapter 2, that because of his great love, God has made us alive with Christ when we were dead, even when we were dead in our transgressions. He took us from where we were, and he took us to life. He took us to newness. He he's in the process of changing us step by step, but there is a, a difference. We've been called from, and we've been called to. Uh, First Thessalonians, excuse me, Second Thessalonians 2, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's taken you from this now to share in God's glory. Glory. Second Timothy, he said, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. You've been called from and you've been called to. And let's not forget, Philippians 3 says that we, are, we press on to, for the goal to win the prize to which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's calling us from death to ultimate life, eternal life. So you have been called by Christ, and if you've accepted that call, you've received Christ as your Savior, you have been called from your old life to a new life that is going to last forever. And Paul says, I want, I pray God will open your eyes just to see how crazy important it is that you have been called by God that you have been chosen specifically by God, that you stand as his chosen one, one of his holy people because of what Christ has done in your life. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it, that it's by grace you are saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of your works, lest anyone should boast. Here is a gift that God offers you. He gives you an invitation, a call. And it all through God's grace, through Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again from you and you received that gift. And God then, as, as one that has been called, you are now enjoying that relationship. You're enjoying from where you were called from to where you're being called to. My question is pretty simple. Have you received that gift? I didn't say if, you've, if you think you're good enough to earn it. I just Have you received the gift that Jesus purchased? When he died on the cross for you. Because from that, God says, here's my invitation. You, for all who received him, he gives the power to become children of God. So Paul says, first thing I want you to have your eyes open to is just how incredibly important it is that you've been called by God. But keep reading. He also says, I also pray your eyes will be open so you'll know the riches of his glorious inheritance in you. Every time I read that verse, I'm reminded of there's several stories I've heard, but one that's always caught my attention happened decades ago 
1926, in fact, was the year, but the, the name's always stuck in my head. Ira Yates was the guy's name. He was a West Texas rancher. And, and I may not have all the facts correct, but the basic idea was this. At one point, he owned the land, but that was even suspect. I mean, his farm wasn't doing well. The crops weren't doing good in West Texas. He and his family were literally living on government support at that point. But he had a hunch. And so he called an oil company to come and just test drill if there might be anything on, on his property that he owned. The oil companies at that time didn't believe there was any oil out there in that part of West Texas. So they were hesitant, but they came, said they drilled four times and got nothing. But on the fifth time, when they test drilled at about 1,000 feet, they hit an oil reserve that they almost could not contain. It, it had all the trouble in the world to put a cap on that oil reserve. And over the years, in one of the most recent things that I heard, out of that well, they've estimated they've pulled 1.5 billion barrels of oil out of that particular oil reserve. Now, you do the math, and you figure out what that's worth in, in monetary forms. But here's the thing. Here was a multimillionaire living in poverty simply because he didn't know what he already owned. He didn't know how rich he really was. If there's one thing that Paul, I think, is saying to us is, I want, please, Lord, open their eyes to see just how rich believers really are in Jesus Christ, in their relationship with the Father. He says, show them, he says, the riches of his inheritance. Now, just the fact that we're called by an almighty God, that's incredible. But now attached to that calling, an inheritance from God? What in the world? How much God loves us and cares for us that he would attach something so incredible. Because we know an inheritance is something given from someone who has this great possession, if you would, to someone else and passing that on. And God, who owns it all, is giving to us an inheritance? What an incredible phrase, incredible word. In fact, if you go to chapter 1, verse 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit being our deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until our final redemption. First Peter talks about an imperishable, an unthinkable inheritance that God has for us that he's reserving in heaven, that is on guard for us in heaven. That's what God has promised to us, is that kind of inheritance. That in itself is amazing. But the way Paul's saying it here in verse 18 really seems to go a different direction. Let me show you what, again, what it says. Read the verse one more time. So you will know the riches of, and circle this, his glorious inheritance in his holy people. His holy people. Your version may say saints. His, his children, according to this verse, we are God's inheritance. When God looks at you as his child, he sees an, an unfathomable rich, an unfathomable treasure, possession. You are God's portion. That's how he defines it. In fact, one translation says it that way. Uh, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Think about this. As God's child, God's children, we are his inheritance. We are his treasure. Our riches are in Christ and God's riches are in us. 
I don't know if you're, if you're able to put your mind around that. You may take a while to think about it, but I hope throughout this week you will to understand that God considers you that highly valuable as his inheritance, his possession. And this isn't just a New Testament thing. If you go back to the Old Testament, he, often he referred to his people Israel as, as his portion, as his, his inheritance, as his special possession. But then you move to the New Testament, and when Peter's talking to Christians... Look how he describes this, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The fact is, if you're a child of God, you belong to him. You've been purchased by him, and he considers you to be Precious. He considers you to be his prized possession. You are, in essence, his pride and joy. Your dignity as a Christian is bound in the fact that God considers you his inheritance, that you are the one that he gave his son's life for, and now he holds you with that kind of importance. Shelley had a friend in New York, and they had kind of a running running joke, and maybe you've seen the phrase, but she would tell Shelly, she said, well, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. You know what, folks? If you're a child of God, every one of us, we're God's favorite. See, God can do that. He can have us all of his favorite, and he does. He considers each of us his special position. Think about, Paul says, open your eyes to just let God show you how precious it is, how precious he thinks you are. Do you have trouble with that sometimes? I, I do. I mean, I, I can be okay, and I, you know, I'm not that bad, that good, whatever. But to think of God as thinking of me as precious, oh, I, that just, that's kind of over the top. Because I don't feel precious. God says, but you are my inheritance. I have paid a price for you. You're my special possession, and he holds me dearly. But it's not just what he feels of us, but that means what he's doing in us. The fact that he says he started a good work in us, and he's going to complete it. That as his inheritance, he's doing a work changing us and making us and giving us the abilities to do and to follow him. In fact, Ephesians 2, he says, we are God's handiwork. Or your translation may say his workmanship or even his masterpiece. When God looks at you, his inheritance, he sees a masterpiece that he created. And he goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why does God need an inheritance? Because you see, every time that you do what God has made you to do, that work that's empowered by him brings glory to him. That, that just, it just evaluates his value to others. It just makes it more important. That who, that's why Jesus said, let your light shine so they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Every time that you do what God has called you to do and his, he is working in your life and he's changing you and you're loving others and you're serving him and you're following him and you're, all those things involved, that's his inheritance, that's his treasure, and it brings him glory. So he's called us because every one of us, his grace is on display because we're sinners. We don't deserve a savior. And his work is on display every time we do what he calls us to do. We're his inheritance. We're his treasure. Open our eyes, God, to see who we are, what we have in Christ, and what he thinks of us. One last thing he says, 
Open their eyes so you will know his incomparably great power that's available to you. And we're going to unpack this next week a little more about God's power. But let me just, let me just kind of give you an idea how big this really is. Look at the next phrase. That power that we're talking about is the same as the mighty strength that he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I want to just leave you with this thought as we'll talk more about it, but there is available to you as a child of God the same power that God used to raise his son from the dead. The power that you're going to need to do what God has called you to do, you you have that power. One of the things he says is open their eyes so they can see just how powerful God wants to be in their lives. So as you're walking through this, this next week and you're, you're looking at your life, when you look at the things going around you and you come to that point when all you're seeing is like Elisha's servant, you're just seeing you're surrounded and I don't see a whole lot of hope. I don't see a whole lot of, of understanding or purpose. My prayer is God's going to open your eyes to be able to see that he is there, that he is near, that he has a plan, that he is working, that you see his calling. When I feel that times feel a little bit worthless or unloved, unlovable, maybe, if you've ever been there, open our eyes so we can see that we're called of Almighty God, that he chose you specifically. When I find myself wondering what my purpose is, what is the meaning, what is, why am I even doing what I'm doing, open my eyes so I can see that, God, you have a plan, that you're working. I'm in your inheritance, and you're constantly making me what you want me to be. And when I find I'm overwhelmed, tired, weary, maybe a little anxious, open my eyes to see that power that's within my life because of the Holy Spirit that's in me. Open our eyes, God, so we can see. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for you. I hope you're praying it for me as well, but I'm praying for us as a church that God will open our eyes to just be aware of what he's doing around us. My question has been, you know what? Let's go back to Elisha's servant for a minute. Why is it that he didn't see that? Didn't see those angels? Is it because Elisha is more special? I, there's probably a lot of reasons, and I don't know that we, that we could get them all. I mean, it's, if you go back chronologically, this guy was the replacement for a former servant who got into some issues and had to be let go. So this guy hasn't been around Elisha as much. So maybe, maybe he just hadn't seen all of the, the great works of God. The former, maybe he just wasn't aware Maybe it was just that panic. You know when that happens, when something you wake up and you're surrounded or the world's just going crazy and you, the, your first thought is to panic? Maybe it was just that overwhelming fear that just 
clouded his eyes. I I don't know, think through this with me. What is it that hinders you from seeing God around us? Maybe it is panic. Maybe it is you're distracted. Maybe it is just life is busy or maybe you're focused on everything but God. You're focused on the, the news. You're focused on yourself. Maybe you're focused on everything but the fact that God is in control. What is it that that is hindering you. So maybe when the prayer is, as much as open my eyes, is God, take away the, the blinders. It's the idea of, I carry these things with me for my glasses often because even speaking, by the time I get to a second service, me spitting all over everything, including my glasses, I, I can't see. i got to have some things cleared out. Maybe it's just God, open my eyes by just clearing off the things that are hindering me from seeing what you're doing. If, if there's something, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's something that's just keeping me from, God, remove those hindrances because I want to see you in a real way this year and as a part of my life. Sometimes I think our vision isn't the problem as much as it's a faith issue. We see what God wants us to do, but we're not sure that, that I want to go there. I, I may see what God has in mind. Maybe I don't agree with it, or maybe I think I'm fine the way I am, or I just don't really want to change. It's not that I don't see what he wants me to do. I just don't really want to take that step. Maybe I don't really, I'm, I'm not really sure that it's the best thing, even though I know that's what God wants from his word. Or for, I, I'm just, it, he, he said that we walk by faith, not by sight, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That means there are some of those things that just may not make sense to our physical eyes, but spiritually, if we trust God, we can take that step. Maybe that's, our, maybe that's why we're not seeing it, is we're just not willing to take the step. But here's the thought. There's always more for us to see. No, longer, no matter how long you've been in this, God wants to open your eyes, to fill your eyes with light, to show you who he is and what he's doing and what he wants to do and give you a vision for what he has for your life. Are you ready? Are you available? Are you ready to listen to him? Are you ready to take that step? God wants you to see. Open our eyes, God. That's my prayer. I'm praying that personally. I'm praying that for our family. I'm praying that for our church. I pray that for you as your faces come to my mind this week. Open their eyes so they can see who you are, what you're doing and what you want to do in their lives. Open our eyes so we can see the, 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 the things such as the calling that you've put on us. Open our eyes so we can see the work that you're doing in us. Open our eyes so we can see the power that you want to work through us, for us, in our lives. Open our eyes, God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, If you're watching online, I hope that you take a moment just to take all this and and let's let God speak to us today. Maybe your step today is simply recognizing that God has offered you a gift and you've never really received that gift. The fact that Jesus died for you and rose again and he offers you, he invites you to a relationship with him? Have you, have you accepted that? Has there been a point in your life when you realized, I'm a sinner, I, I'm separated from God, but I believe Jesus died for me and, and you received his gift? If that's you, would you receive that, accept that invitation today? That call to come to him and say, God, I, as a sinner, I come to you and ask for you to save me, to forgive me, and I want to follow you with my life. I'm repenting of where I came from and I want to, follow you and to come into the light. Would you receive his gift today? 
Maybe you have some questions about that. I'd love to talk with you further. You can, you can message me online. You can put it on your connection card. Pastor, I'd love to talk more about this. But would you take that step to say, I, I want to know what it means to accept that gift. If you're listening today and you know that you're one of God's kids, you have, you're one of the called. Are there some things hindering your your eyesight today, some things God's revealed to you that need to, to change so that you truly can see? W- would you pray with me for yourself and for the people around you, for our church, for, for your pastor today? God, open our eyes. We want to see who you are, what you're doing, and we're willing to follow you, whatever that looks like. Would you pray that today? Father God, I pray that we'll accept that challenge. Open our eyes so we can see, and when we do, that we'll we'll not only be encouraged, we'll not only be strengthened, but we'll be challenged to take whatever that step of faith looks like for our lives. God, please make this a start of a change in my life and in our church because we really are living from the perspective of knowing you are there. Whether our physical eyes see you or not, we know because our eyes have been opened by your spirit. God, please move in our hearts. Draw that one to salvation that needs you today. Help us each as your children to follow you wherever you lead us. As we continue with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the spirit of prayer, I invite you to spend some time talking to the Lord today. We're going to sing the song that I mentioned earlier. Just open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Maybe as we sing through it, after you've spent some time talking to the Lord, you want to join us and just make this your prayer today. Open the eyes of my heart. So I encourage you to continue to pray as the music begins.
shining in 